Today on the show, we're talking about the paradox of choice. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with my co-host Trevor. And today we're talking about the paradox of choice. Yeah, so this is something I struggle with, and it's it's something that's intensifying uh, with every passing year. So I... I'm not going to come across as an expert on the paradox of choice and, and how to resolve that that struggle, but I am researching on how to resolve, resolve this struggle. And this podcast is sort of a little glimpse into how far I've come. So it's funny that we're talking about kind of the, the topic of choice today. And because, I mean, I am probably the most indecisive person anyone listening to this will have ever met. Like I, I cannot make a decision for, for the life of me. So, I mean, while we'd like to approach this podcast with kind of some, some kind of like some experience some knowledge today, it's really just a conversation about kind of how to, how to kind of go about this, even for ourselves. Well, you know, I would, I would almost want, I would prefer to be indecisive than to where this, the mental place that I'm at. So I've spent the last 30 years in financial analysis and I have been programmed to run the numbers on every decision made from a professional standpoint. And that can't help but bleed into your personal life. And I try to make financial sense out of every single decision I make. And if it doesn't make financial sense, I I, I don't make a decision or, or I make the wrong decision. So, and, and but life's not like that. I, I'm learning this and I, this is my struggle is life is, you can't run the numbers. There's, life is not lived in a spreadsheet. Life is, is a winding road. And I, I, I inherently, and I've, caution people from doing this my instinct is to make the road straight but my my mind self corrects and says no let life lead you down the road so if you i i think i have this artificial tool to analyze situations and come up with a financial solution and sometimes that's not the best approach I I absolutely love that the kind of the realization about how your career has kind of altered even the way you look at personal finance in a personal sense and that really resonates with me because um, in marketing I know I'm always looking at metrics I'm always justifying my decisions and moving forward with with future decisions based on any metric I can find and for me sometimes they get a little uncomfortable when I can't quantify something, when I can't justify a decision because maybe a metric doesn't directly correlate to what I'm trying to measure or look at, but I kind of have to make a decision with the realization that there's no metric that's ever going to capture what I'm looking at. And I think that kind of, I saw that uneasiness. I'm sure we can all feel that kind of uneasiness with our decisions in, in our own world. Well, you know, I even take it a step further. So in my professional life, one of the things I, I've been tasked with occasionally is coming up with a performance indicator that people who are not financial people can understand, but that indicator translates into financial gains. So even if I try to get out of my own way 
and say, you know, this is not a financial decision. This is this is a life decision. I still try to, are, you know, come up with an uh, an indicator to say I'm moving in the right direction that is somewhat tied to money. And I catch myself doing this all the time. So, and, and when I'm trying to make a choice, I, I'm I'm faced with a life choice. It could be buy a house, sell a house, buy a car, sell a car. It can't be about the numbers. It can't be 100% about the numbers. You have to take it in consideration. But I'm going to say it should not be the first thing you that, that impacts your decision. So I kind of want to go into the reason and the rationale why you rely on these these numbers, these these hard facts to make decisions. And is, is, it, is it because you feel that when you do make a decision based on hard facts, hard numbers, then that decision will obviously be justified. Well, I think it's so, I will think the decision is correct. You know, I, 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 math says do this, therefore that must be the right decision. But, but it, life isn't about math. And that's, that's where, you know, I, I'm saying this to myself that I need to get out of my own way and stop making decisions purely based on math. So I think I'm really happy we're talking about the kind of the paradox of choice, the, the topic of choice today, because it obviously resonates so heavily with, with personal finance, because we all know every decision, every choice we make in our lives will affect us at a personal finance level. And Trevor, I open the show by saying that I'm an indecisive person, which makes obviously choices and decisions that much more I guess like intrinsically difficult, but if, if if I'm listening to this today and I I can openly admit that I can make decisions easily, n- no problem. I'm pretty decisive. How is this this episode? Is it still going to resonate with me? Well, it, it is in that. So you you say you're indecisive, but you don't know why. There could be a whole bunch of factors causing your indecisiveness. I know what's causing me to be indecisive in that. I, I want to do something, but the numbers suggest it's not a good idea. You know, so I, I know what's in my way. So I, I actually have an edge on you in that my indecisiveness is purely the financial side. And sometimes you have to put that aside. So, I mean, we're going to get into this in, in this episode, but it kind of what you're saying there, how you have to set the numbers aside it kind of, to me, sounds like you are going with your gut where you're just kind of making sporadic decisions. So how does, how does that vary from, from making sporadic decisions and from just kind of going with the flow willy nilly and what's the differentiation? Well, I don't think you should just go with the flow or go willy nilly. You should have some foundation to your decision. It should be consistent with a direction in life that you want to go in but it, it, and it sounds crazy on a personal finance podcast, I'm saying ignore the numbers. Sometimes yeah, yeah that's the exactly what to, I'm, I'm getting at. Yeah, so sometimes the numbers have to take a back seat in your agenda, not completely come off the board, but not be the driving force to every decision you make. And this comes from somebody who's spent 30 years working with numbers and uh, knows how important it is. I mean, we created a podcast about money and I know how important it is, but it can't be the be-all and end-all of every decision you make. So today's episode was and is inspired by Barry Schwartz's book, The Paradox of Choice. And 
uh, we're going to be referencing a an incredible article um, that was featured in the Business Insider by Rachel Gallette. It'll be in the show notes. You can refer back to it um, after the show. So this is a book I'm I'm going to read. So this isn't a I, I so with me I'm I'm making a choice of what book I want to read. <laughs> so of course I do a deep dive on a, a, a group of books that are in this sort of genre of of the paradox of choice, and I I read articles about the book before I actually read the book to see if it really if it's something I want to invest time in. You can kind of get summarize summaries of these various books and. I'm talking nonfiction here, and, and read reviews. Again, I'm doing way too much analysis in making my choices <laughs> to whether I should read this book or not. Um, and anyone who uh, is just doing, tuning in for the first time, uh, we've mentioned this in the past, but we do have an ongoing, continually growing list of Trevor's recommended reads. It's on our website, livelifesimple.ca. You can always head over there if you're looking for a new, uh, generally nonfiction read about personal finance and things kind of around personal finance and just whatever Trevor finds exciting and interesting. Um, So this book, I'm sure Trevor will add to it. We'll have it in the show notes either way, but I'm sure it'll eventually make that list. It looks like an incredible book. And I want to say, so I've designed my life in such a way financially that I have a lot of options available to me. And it, it, that didn't come by accident. I've sort of lived a very, I'll say, a fairly cautious life financially. So I, I, I'm i in a position where I, I could choose to continue working. I could choose to semi-retire. I could choose to completely retire. I, I, I've created a life where I have choices. And these choices <laughs> are, could very well be my undoing if I don't get a handle on them. And in this article, and by the way, we are kind of relying on this article today because Trevor and I obviously are not experts in this area, but we thought this podcast would be the perfect platform to kind of dive into this subject today so we can kind of unravel what goes into making choices and why maybe we are hesitant uh, as a collective listenership. So the article kind of talks about what kind of just Trevor voiced there, that when it comes to choices, when we have too much, too much choice actually comes at a cost. Um, And our obsession with it contributes to bad decisions, anxiety, stress, dissatisfaction, paralysis, and even depression. So I mean, simple things and we make, I don't know, I don't know how many choices we make a day, but it's it's so true that subconsciously we might not realize the the cost, um, whether it's financial or all the other ways that cost comes into our life, has on us. And here's here's a you might know you struggle with choice if you are quick to develop a habit. So I I have a, a routine. Ooh, so I have a morning routine, and I have I'm quick. I I, I say to myself I'm, I'm very self disciplined because I I can adopt really good habits easily. And, and continue with them with very little external motivation. And I realized one of the reasons I'm so quick to do that is it takes choices out of th- that I have to make out of my life. So if I just have a very small wardrobe of clothes, I don't have to decide what to wear. I eat the same breakfast every morning. I don't have to wonder what I need for breakfast in the morning. I drive the same route to work. I, I have routines that are... Uh, so ingrained that there's a lot of my day I I am free from making choices because I'm just 
automated. I have these routines. I go to the gym certain days a week. I, I do the same workouts. I, I'm not confronted with choice. And I think it's because I, I don't like choices. I, I suffer from decision fatigue, maybe more than the average person. So we have done past episodes on the danger and the benefits of automation, which is kind of what Trevor, you're describing your day to me as, and and I and I, I love I love that I love the fact that your whether it's being good at, at developing self discipline or like you said your aversion to choice, it it is very beneficial because it does uh, cut down on the decision fatigue that you do experience. Uh, but I like at the same time I think. And we we have talked about this in the past, but with sticking with that habit, with sticking with that routine, you may not be uh, exploring the 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 new and up and coming best for your body a healthy breakfast, or you may not be kind of experimenting with the latest and greatest uh, best for your body workout routines because of the automation process that you've kind of ingrained into your lifestyle. Well, not only that, I think I, I the the fewer choices you have to make then making choices becomes more and more difficult so i think you actually want choice you want to be making decisions and choices on a regular basis to not make the the few decisions you have to make seem so overwhelming that that right there that like a mic drop moment right there because you're so right when you get into practice of doing something it becomes so intimidating even to make those little those little decisions when you, when you, cause it is, it is a practice, like your response time to making those choices, how fast you process the, uh, the alternatives that, that all is a skill that we can get better and more skillful at. So I, I do want to jump into this article now. It's there's, it's actually comprised of 11 different um, ways that kind of too many options uh, in this article says messes with us. So we've kind of narrowed it down to eight of the core kind of ways where choices can kind of bog us down. Uh, and, and again, we'll have this article in the show notes. So you can kind of refer back to it as well. But um, yeah, we'll go through all eight and they're, they're really fascinating ways that again, uh, too many options can kind of be our undoing. So the first one is whenever you choose one thing, you're always you're also not choosing other things that could be just as good. So this is something I wrestle with constantly, and I just assumed everybody struggled with this. Well, to, as I learned that, that there isn't a, not everybody struggles with this. People make decisions and move on. I make decisions and think what could have been. So that that's. That's a now I don't think I'm alone, but that that's a flaw, and I think you the problem is you with too many options, you end up making trade offs. You know, if I choose this, then I'm not doing this, and if I don't do this, I can't do that, and you end up playing out scenarios in your mind that may never actually happen. So I am like you in the sense that I am a ruminator. I think this, this, you kind of check this one off your list. If you, if you kind of engage in rumination or kind of a reflection of maybe the past or past decisions more often, as opposed to kind of living in the present or looking at the future. But I do agree with you. This one can really be, can stop you in your tracks because it leaves you kind of just mulling over things that maybe you can't change. And we're going to get into solutions later, but the, the solution clearly is to make your decision and live with it, move on. 
So that's the first one. Uh, The second one is more options lead to greater regret. So decisions you didn't make will surface, especially when they go wrong. So uh, this is one where... This is so true. This one is... Yeah. I, I, again, I struggle with... So these eight are the eight I struggle with. That's why we included eight of the 11. So when I have too many options, it's kind of related to number one, but I... If something goes wrong in my decision, I look back and said, "Yeah, I should have. I should have chosen door number two. You know, clearly, I, I, what was I thinking? Right? It, it seems so obvious. Now, retrospect, you know, hindsight. These these are great luxuries that we don't have when we're making our initial decisions. I don't know if this point would fall into this uh, point number two here, but I know. I, again, I, I don't know if this may. Maybe this is the wrong spot to bring this up, but. I am one, I suffer like the inability to make decisions like in, in, like I can't make decisions at all so that sometimes I will look to other people for their, what they believe is the best decision. And I know that when this happens, I I guess I know when I felt, feel regret when I feel, um, when things go wrong and I, and I kind of feel that like kind of discomfort aside, it kind of is a warning sign, a signal sign for me that maybe I had passed decision-making off to someone else. And that kind of leaves me with regret because I wasn't taking charge and empowering myself to make a decision and being confident in that decision. So I, I, again, that's kind of a space where I, 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 I fall short. I don't actually suffer from that aspect of it, but what I do is I will run the numbers after the, like just say I made a decision and it turned out to be, um, it didn't work out for whatever reason. Then I will look at the cost of that bad decision and the cost of my, you know, new action because the first decision didn't go well and add them together, like to compound, <laughs> to, to, you know, and really they're, they're independent, right? But, but I, I'm, I'm so guilty of that. So the third area where um, kind of too many options can kind of get us down is when too many options lead us to make bad decisions. So this is just kind of decision overload. Well, the, for me, this is where if I have too many options, so there's, it's not unlimited, but it's pretty close to unlimited. I end up looking for the, rather than the best decision, I'm looking for the least worst decision. So I'm trying to pick the safest, the the one that will have the the, the, the least amount of regret. And that's that's not playing to win, right? That's playing to tie, right? <laughs> that, that, that's playing to not lose. That's so negative, right? the and, least worst. <laughs> Yeah. And that is, that is too many options. And it depends, you know, so just say I'm, I'm buying a house and it's been 20 years since I bought a house, but I remember when I was looking at a house and I remember wishing, I remember there was so many houses in my price range. I remember wishing there was fewer houses that I could afford in this town. And that sounds crazy, right? That I remember saying, why is there so many, you know, I, I'm going to pick the wrong one. I know it. (laughs) And and I wanted to pick the least worst option. <laughs> and it it is because, you know, I'd look at the, the, the best house and I say, you know, that house is way too nice for that price. And so if I pick that house and I'm and just say I pick that house and it turns out the guy just wanted to get rid of it. He just wanted to sell it. 
then that would have been the best, you know, that's a huge win. But, but if I pick that house and it turns out I miss something and it turns out, you know, next door are the neighbors from hell. And I didn't know that when I was looking at the house and, and I would have been, you know, just miserable because of that bad decision. So I, I ended up saying, I, I can't pick the nicest house because I could be missing something there. So I'm going to pick the house that that is the most reasonably priced for the for for the house they're selling, and, and that's playing to not lose. And with this one, it, do you ever does it ever happen where you kind of so in that case, I guess, did you focus in on some of the the minute details and kind of get lost in those, which made you a bad decision? Be just because if you're looking at a home, there are. Uh, homes there's so many options that did you ever get lost in kind of the details well when you're buying a real resale home it's not like buying a used car where you can there's a lot of uh, specs you can you can compare homes are so uncomparable you know you got different neighborhoods different styles of homes different conditions of the house i mean i mean i i so i i i struggled to do comparisons but there was just too many houses in my price range that were for sale that I just, I, I struggled to pick the right one. So the fourth, uh, fourth item on this list is people don't like feeling bad about their decisions, which can often lead to paralysis of action. So this is one where I don't suffer from this, but it's something that I, I could be susceptible to. And this is where you're so paralyzed by the options that you end up not making a decision and if enough time passes, the decision gets made for you. So you end up not making a decision and, and being left with the, the consequence of not making decisions. So let's go back to a house. If you wait long enough, all those houses will be bought by somebody else and you'll be left with, you know, when the music stops playing, you'll be left with the last house and you won't have to decide. You'll say, I guess it's that one. And I don't suffer from that, but... That is something, you know, I, I could see if I don't address my uh, paradox of choice issue, uh, I could slip into that. That that could become an issue for me. I could, I could see me being very susceptible to that. And you have a great quote around decisions when it comes to, to this in particular. Yeah, so no decision ends up being a decision. I love that because it, it kind of it kind of empowers you to make a decision and let the decision be made for you. It, it lead your own life as opposed to having your life led for you. Number five, so our fifth way that kind of having too many options kind of messes with us is an abundance of choices leaves less time to make the right decision. So, I I mean I mean you're going to get into this point, but. I mean, the right decision, who's to say there ever is one right decision? How do we know by definition what that right decision would be? Well, I think if you have too many options, you end up burning up your cognitive resources, trying to deliberate over each nuance, all the all the options in front of you, you, you end up burning through so many resources that you 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 exhaust yourself, and then you're you're in not you're not in a very good mental state to make decisions. Then, and this happens. Uh, you know, I talked earlier about having routines and habits. Well, th- they can be beneficial in that 
if you have to decide every morning what to wear and what to eat for breakfast and the route you're going to drive to work, you might be kind of burned out by the time you get to work. So a bit of routine in your light, in your, your morning will leave you some resources to make decisions when you're at work. So it, it it's not, you don't want to be um, completely on autopilot making no decisions, but you don't want to be making every single little micro decision in your day. You'll end up with, you'll just burn out and you'll end up making bad decisions. And, and this is something I, I, I think, again, I put this on the list because I think I could become very susceptible to this. And I mean, this one, as like all the other ones, I think they, they also apply to everything else in our life. Uh, not just personal finance directly, but I mean, this comes to kind of the choices you make. Well, you well, you maybe eat food or or whatever it may be, but at the end of the day, it always comes kind of back to personal finance. That kind of is the rooting of of all our choices because it because it affects all of our choices. But as we go through this list, I think it's just to kind of any decision in our life these things relate to. And you know, the reason I think it's becoming more prominent for me is. I'm realizing this as I get older, recovering financially from a bad financial decision, you you obviously have less time to recover from it. And if you're going to retire, you're giving up your earning potential or you're giving up your ability to earn income uh, non-passively, like through a job. Uh, So your income being your biggest wealth building tool, you're, you're giving that up and then if you make a bad financial decision, recovering from that may be impossible. You might have to go back to work if you make a terrible financial decision. So I think this is maybe why I'm struggling with it more as I get not older, but closer to retirement. So you're kind of operating out of a space of fear, maybe, because when I look at some of the things we've kind of already talked about this so far, uh, you're you're kind of dividing your kind of working career and then post working career your kind of retirement area. So, I mean, when you if we look back at number two, more options lead to greater regret. And so, if if you kind of make a decision, I mean, that could like you said affect your whole kind of uh, retirement area of your life. And so, all these are kind of more longer lasting. And maybe all the retired people out there that are listening <laughs> are going, duh, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 what happens. What are you, why are you so shocked? So so maybe this is just normal. If it is, send me an email and tell me that this is what happens. But it's a new territory for me, so I'm struggling with it. It's 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 like I'm crossing this threshold, and I've sort of been awoken to a new phenomenon. And then any overthinkers like myself, I mean, we're already experiencing uh, the the paradox of choice. So let's let's jump on to number six. So number six is, so six of eight is people who always want the best option are often more depressed than people who settle. And this is about expectations. And I, I put this on here because I don't suffer from this one, but I know people that do. People that have, they make a decision or, or they have all these choices and they they have expectations that are so unreasonable that no matter what they choose, they're going to be disappointed. And and if this happens over and over, they end up falling into a into depression and they become gun-shy and making future decisions because 
their expectations were way too unrealistic going in. And and this one is kind of that ongoing, like you said, that if you fall into this, it can it just kind of compound on top of each other and, and really, like you said, kind of really bring you down. And you know, I've seen this with people getting new jobs. They will leave a job that they don't like and they they think this new job is going to solve all the things they didn't like about their old job. And they get into the new job only to find... It, it's a different set of problems. So yeah, the, your old problems went away, but you, you ended up hurting a bunch of new problems that are just as stressful and you really didn't escape problems. My only kind of qualm with this specific point is, I mean, me and a lot of listeners could argue that settling is not always a positive thing, especially when it maybe comes to our the relationships we have in our lives and pursuing the 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 healthiest career or lifestyle for ourselves but the person that settles you know from the perspective of somebody who's paralyzed by choice they might look at that person and say well they just settled right they, they could have done better but they were more maybe more decisive so someone who settles that is a uh, perspective of somebody else right the the person that made that choice they just made a choice they didn't settle they just said i'm doing this and it may look to somebody from the outside looking in that that person settled, but they that could just be a person being decisive. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So it's it's really in the eye of the beholder and in that scenario, in that case, and it's all perspective to, to your point because to the person who's making the decision, it's, it's obviously decisions are very kind of an intrinsic thing. So it's, it's, it's really how you personally view that decision. So number seven of eight is choosing between too, too many options can cause decision fatigue, which can lead to worse decisions later. So I, we've kind of covered this, but it's a different spin on it is people who are okay settling for something that's good enough are happier than those who are trying to maximize every single decision. And, and I, I think... <laughs> Again, good enough is in the eyes of the beholder, but if you're trying to maximize every decision, every choice for any you want to maximize, you want to win, you want to win on every single thing, just okay is not good enough, you will exhaust yourself. And last but not least on our list of how too many options are just kind of can be unproductive is the fear of missing out extends well beyond what we should buy or eat yeah and so FOMO we we actually did a show on FOMO so the fear of missing out it, it, it is a real thing I mean if you if you bought a house in in the peak of the real estate market and then once you're in your house the the market tanks and I'm saying this now because I think we are in a very hot real estate market and I, I think a correction's on the horizon and once you're in that house, it could be your dream house. And then you, the, just say you're a first-time home buyer that kind of is required for this thought process I'm going through. And then a year later, your dream house is is less money than what you paid for your house. You know, that if you had the fear of missing out, if you thought, okay, this real estate market might cry, you may never buy a house, right? You, you'd be paralyzed by... By, by the what ifs in life. 
So that wraps up that list. And we, of course, are going to conclude the episode with uh, solutions because we are Simple Money Solutions. So again, these aren't our solutions just because we we are on our path to overcoming um, the, the paradox of choice. So these are, we're going to go over seven tips to limit choice and reduce your stress by uh, an author, Tiny Buddha. We'll link that in the show notes. But Trevor, before we even get there, I have a couple questions for you before we kind of, we, we, we went through kind of the problem with choice. So I, I have questions kind of around that. So my first, my first question is that we, we make a plethora of choices every day, every week, every month, and throughout our lifetime. Some are very minute and some are a lot larger, whether that's uh, on the larger scale, brooding our family to move to a different country, to pursue a different career opportunity, to small as in what am I going to have for lunch today or, or anything kind of that minute. So when it comes to the paradox of choice, are we rightfully are we should we are we able to justify to ourselves the fact that we are maybe facing uh, action paralysis in, in making decisions when it come to, does come to larger scale decisions or do you think that with with practice we are able to overcome our inability to make decisions and that every decision regardless of how small or large should all kind of be made in this kind of productive way using the tips we're going to go through yes <laughs> No. So I think you need to consider inputs, you know, in your decision. You can't just, I think if you went through life just, and maybe some people do this, just making decisions on a whim and not giving it any sort of reasoning. You need to reason through your choices in life. But I think at some point you, you can't get caught in the weeds. And, and that's, uh, that's something I struggle with is I get caught in the weeds and be, and become so indecisive. It, it ends up working against be, me sometimes. Because sometimes you can justify, like I, I just, I'm thinking sometimes you can justify to yourself that you are doing all the things that you shouldn't do when you make a decision because it's so massive. You're like, you know what, Trevor, it's, it's okay that I'm taking seven years to decide on my next car because it's a it's one of the two largest purchases I'll make in my life so you know what the fact that I'm executing all these kind of poor decision making strategies is okay like how do you kind of simmer that thought pattern down well this is incorrect but I often look at financial decisions saying if I don't make a decision you know that just with the magic of inflation this purchase is going to cost me more so again, I'm running the numbers, which isn't always a good idea. So if I, I end up forcing myself to be de- decisive, particularly in the real estate market or even in the car buying market. If I don't b- make a decision, this market is going to get away on me and it's going to actually cost me more. My decision is going to cost me financially. So that's kind of how maybe... That's the crutch I've been leaning right, on. Right, right. Incorrect. So, so to, to kind of reiterate, you have been therefore relying on these kind of uh, incorrect ways of dealing with decisions because you've justified yourself that it's okay. And I may, you know, just, just say I bought my, my car and just say something goes wrong with it. And I say, well, I had to buy it because the, the model years were rolling over and it was going to cost me more to buy my, my used car if I would have waited beyond the calendar year. That was a philosophy I had. I don't know how 
accurate it was, but that that's what motivated me to pull the trigger on, on buying a car rather than waiting and analyzing 30 more cars, <laughs> trying to come up with the right one. Right. And I, I and I, you, you know, you're in a bad place. It, go back to my real estate example. I was dreaming of less houses being available in my price range. That's so true. Okay? Yes. And I really wanted someone to buy up these houses so I didn't have to think about them anymore, right? That I wanted to not have to make a bad decision. So if somebody took that decision away from me, I, go, Wait, I don't have to worry about that house anymore. Somebody bought it. So now I only have, you know, 12 houses to consider. And, and I ended up being a little more decisive. You know, you know what pushed me on this is, my house that I was selling sold faster than I thought it would. And the people that bought it wanted a shorter closing date than I anticipated. So it really forced my hand. I needed that external force to pull the trigger on the house I bought in the town I live in. So again, I needed something external to motivate me. I wasn't going to be decisive enough. Yeah, and I, I, I want to talk about that for a second because I, I, we probably will dive into this later when we do talk about our um, seven tips to limit choice, reduce your stress. But let's talk about the now, fact. I do, I, I do want to. I do want to say though that uh, I, I've done well financially. I, I've made decisions along the way. I just think I could have been more. I, I, I don't think I've missed a lot of opportunities, but I probably have missed some because I've been indecisive. And you probably caused and, yourself a little bit. In moments, maybe more stress than you needed to, or kind of more rumination than maybe you needed to as well. Like pr- probably, I I could guess. Oh, oh, a ton. You know, if something goes wrong, I can say, well, at least I worried about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, at, at least I can. At least I worried about it. So if, even if it goes bad, at least at least I have that in my pocket, right? Yes. What, what, what good did that do me? Yes. Yes. That. That. Yes. I like. If I'm sh- everyone listening, to this is like yes. But I do want to talk about the the plethora of houses on the market when you were house searching. I mean, we are in a a time of of, of plentiful. Where there there has never been more more anything more more. We're not we're in an abundance. We're in a society of abundance. So I guess and that's also it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse. But to, going back to your house example. I, I'm, there's 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 always going to be that house there's always going to be that car there's always going to be kind of other options and I guess obviously that's what why there is the paradox of choice why that even exists you know I'm kind of glad you know moving away from houses into consumer electronics which we talked about last week I'm kind of glad I'm tied to a brand everyone knows that brand if you don't and, you ha- this is your first time listening <laughs> And I, I'm glad I'm tied to that brand because all the things like a phone purchase, if, if I wasn't tied to Apple in the iPhone, I would have so many phones to consider. Or if I needed a new computer, I would have so many computers to consider. So it, it has been sort of a, a gift I didn't know I was getting when I tied myself to Apple and, and their ecosystem that it just makes sense to for my next electronic purchase would be an Apple thing because it'll just work with all the other Apple devices I have. I don't, I don't struggle with that, that, that decision. I mean, there's some decisions within that, you know, what phone should I get? The big one, the small one, this memory, that memory, at least I've limited it down to those choices. But like I said earlier, that, uh, that sometimes becomes a, a downfall or a pitfall because uh, heaven forbid that a more superior 
in your mind, phone company comes along and and is is becomes the the better alternative or not better because this, this is very subjective, but pretend there was uh, something replaced Apple that became kind of it's it's superior but well, you're, you're talking nonsense now <laughs> yeah it, it, pretend the, the, in, a, in a world in a mystical utopian mystical world pretend that happened you would be kind of so closed off to that and I think we actually are going to dive into that in the that set the seven tips so I'll kind of save this thought for then but you do kind of limit yourself off to the possibilities of 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 maybe fa- uh, better technology in this instance. And I, I said that early in the episode that maybe there you go to the gym, you do the same workouts, but maybe there's, there's, there's different workouts that are better for you. And maybe there's a healthier breakfast that's going to make you feel uh, even better and, and, and fill you with more energy and, and more nourishment pretend. So I, I, while you say that I also kind of hesitate from not kind of exploring and doing research on on other alternatives from time to time out of for curiosity and just knowledge purpose it's that kind of thinking that feeds the monster i though, know right? i know so yeah. obviously we're doing this episode but, you know, for a reason this is one man- mantra i repeat to myself all the time and it I, not to sound too morbid but everything is kind of you know everything's temporary everything is somewhat temporary i mean everyone talks about a forever house. Well, it turns out they're all temporary houses you're going to live in for a period of time. You, you know, the older I get, the more I realize how temporary everything I own really is. It's, it's, it, in my 20s, I didn't see it that way. I was buying, I was trying searching for a lifetime purchase of whatever it I was buying. And now that I'm in my 50s, I realize everything I own is just temporary. Oh, like I, I, you brought this up a while ago, but you kind of you talked about that first Christmas tree ever purchased, and you kind of went in that with mentality when you you, you said when you were younger with that kind of the, the forever mindset. Well, it turns out I still have that <laughs> Christmas tree; it's somewhat permanent. If anyone doesn't know, back in the uh, late nineteen eighties, I paid three hundred dollars <laughs> for an artificial Christmas tree, which was then dollars insane. And uh, yeah, that, that was the 19, late 1980 dollars, <laughs> not current dollars. So I don't know what it would cost today. But uh, I had lost my mind. And I, I said, this is a lifetime history. <laughs> well, it turned out, I still put that tree up every year. So that one is more permanent than, than it, most things in my life. My final question for you, before we do move into the tips, the solutions of this episode is, what if I am the skeptical listener who has made a decision and is saying but trevor those things that you talked about earlier in the episode they actually are true i actually made a decision and it actually turned out to be terrible and now i actually don't trust my gut and now i actually don't trust any of my previous decision making tactics look i we i know we are talking you're going to talk about the 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 kind of tips to that but do you have any personal experience with that about just how how you personally got through that, the, those moments and how you begin to kind of trust the decision-making process again, trust yourself in making decisions. Well, I think if you make a choice and you decide it's terrible, uh, you probably, it's, it's, it's many factors. You have the blinders on and you're focused on just everything that went wrong. And you're probably also focusing on the alternatives that you didn't choose, which I think is a bad place to go. You didn't choose them at the time with the information you had. 
hindsight is a beautiful thing if you had it, you know, two weeks ago when you're making a decision. So uh, to say it didn't work out is to say you did something wrong, but maybe you didn't. You, you were working with what you had at the time and it seemed, it obviously seemed like a good decision when you were making it. It's, it's not like you would do something knowing, you know, this has a 99% chance of not working out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Not many people are going down that road. No, that's so true. And I also think as well, when it comes to that specific point that uh, we always kind of talk about it, but why it's important to kind of have a developed set of values for your life and your personal finance approach, because that way it kind of can anchor you to something. And you know, so just to recap the value system. So I, I, this is where I take choice out of my life. So I talked about buying a car. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Every car lot I went to, the the people would show me their used cars and I take them for a test drive and they get to the point where, you know, so how are you planning to pay for it? And I say, well, I'm going to pay cash. And I said, whoa, 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 you could buy a new car. You know, if you got that kind of money, that's that's a, a beautiful down payment on this brand new car. And I, I have this value system. I don't buy new cars. It's just, I just don't do it. So I don't have to wrestle with that choice. So I've kind of scaled back my car choices there. I've taken new cars off the, off the table. It's not something I do. It, it's just something it's a value I have I'm not judging the people that do buy new cars but it's just something I do so that's one of my ways of dealing with my paradox of choice is I don't have to I don't have to wrestle with that aspect of it so a value system has helped me in in decision making for sure so we're going to jump into the solution section again. We are we are learners of of kind of getting good at at becoming better at making choices and and confident choices, I guess, or, or not facing choice the kind of the choice paralysis. Um, so we are referring to an article which we'll link the show notes again. It is called "Why Too Much Choice Is Stressful and Sen- Seven Simple Ways to Limit It" by Tiny Buddha. Uh, and I want to say Tiny Buddha is a fabulous website and it's it's not about Buddhism. It, it, I, I, uh, clearly, this person has a Buddhism mindset, but it's just everyday stuff with a, a very interesting spin on it, a very inspirational spin on it. And uh, Trevor, it's kind of lead us into this section. Do you believe, do you truly, truly believe that you you can get better at kind of reducing your stress around decision making and have you seen that in yourself over the years well like i said i think i've kind of moved into a threshold where i I feel like i'm getting worse and but it might be i'm moving into a different phase of life and i need to readjust my approach to decision making and choices so that's why i'm going to read the book the paradox of choice i think i need some sort of new approach but I, I think I was pretty good at it and, and I managed it well, but now I'm I'm in a different phase and, and I need to reevaluate. And it's kind of fascinating that generally speaking, we tend to get better at things or more productive or more efficient at things the, the older we get because we have that kind of life experience and knowledge behind us. So it's really interesting that I think, and it sounds like what's accurate, what's kind of accurate with you is that depending on the life stage you're at and what you're, what kind of part you are at within your life, that 
it's kind of, you're kind of learning it again and in a sense in coming more comfortable with it. So I think this episode and the talk, what, what kind of this, this, these tips that we're about to dive into, I think are really could resonate and be valuable for, for a lot of individuals, depending and regardless of where you are. Well, and another thing to, to consider is I'm talking about going to another phase of life. I'm, I'm an empty nester now when I had a young family. And so people listening to this might relate. I, I didn't have time to wrestle with small with choices i just i had a young family we were going hand to mouth with our time i i just had to make a decision to move on i i didn't have time to wrestle with choice day after day so it or a different phase of my life it wasn't an issue because i didn't have time to let it be an issue wow see that is another kind of layered nuance that does not immediately come to mind so if anyone yeah listening to this has once had a family or is having a family i'm sure and if they're thinking what the heck are you talking <laughs> about well you might you know you might be in a place where you don't have the luxury of of de- you know debating over multiple choices because yeah i guess you just don't have the time that's a really really fascinating point and i mean that can be taken to a kind of a more biker skill uh whether you're younger than that don't have a family or maybe in post-secondary and are kind of you feel from your perspective you are tight on time in that sense so it's really an applicable point everywhere now with because you're saying your children are out of your home you're left with more kind of uh time to to ruminate and maybe be with your thoughts so let's dive into this article. So it kind of talks out, starts off by diving into uh, the way that uh, the decision is made around purchasing a new car in that uh, one car lot, first kind of car that was seen, purchased, and um, has been enjoyed for six years. Yeah, so clearly... This the the tiny Buddha has figured out the car buying process. So and and it says here you may be shocked that I made such a large and important purchase in this manner. I'm not a wealthy person by any means, uh, but I was confident in a good deal when I found it, and it's never let me down. So that that's kind of like a very uh, just and I and I I read that and I I read the this article and I, I it was a little bit of a shocking approach. Well, the one thing I got is. This guy did not look at other cars, so he, he's never going to look back and say, well, what if I would have picked the red one, right? What, what if I picked that one? My, maybe I'd still have a transmission that worked, right? He, 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 he's not wrestling with the, that dilemma. So let's, let's start with number one of seven ways to, and tips to limit choice and reduce your stress. So number one is ask what you're, you'll really achieve if you keep your options as open as possible. Yeah, and so this is one, I, I think, I ask myself this all the time. You know, what is the gain by by delaying this decision and delaying it and delaying it till the last possible minute? Is there really a benefit or am I just procrastinating? And the, sometimes there is, you know, you wait until, until the very last minute. Maybe there could be a benefit, but most of the time, for me, I am procrastinating on making a choice and there is no benefit waiting. And when you say that, I mean, sometimes waiting means gathering additional information or I think that kind of the information piece, but you're right. Like what, what other information will you gather? What really will you achieve by, by waiting? The second point is cast your net small and just, and just decide your limit on where you'll, 
shop, search, and compare. And so this is what I was doing. I was describing my my relationship with Apple, how when I'm shopping for consumer electronics, my net is cast in a very small product set. And in my decision, I've realized that I those decisions are so easy for me because I'm tied to a product. Now, I, I also, with my cars, I, I've had a lot of good luck with Honda, and this is not sponsored by Honda. <laughs> but I, I've had a lot of luck with Hondas. And so when I went car shopping, I was just looking at Hondas. Until I have a bad experience, I'm going to continue with that. So tying yourself to a brand sometimes can be beneficial if you suffer from choice. See, I that is a really key point that I'm glad you brought up is is good experience. And why why waver from something you've only experienced positive from because then you have to reinvent the wheel. So, I mean, that speaks volumes to your kind of success that you've experienced with Apple and like you said, Honda as well. So that's almost a good thing. Kind of reach it, just, just find something that works. And, you know, brand... Brand loyalty is a marketing tool that's being used. It's used that and commercials are really based on brand loyalty. The, the commercials you watch on TV, and I think they really, they, those commercials are just to reignite your or your brand loyalty. Just just to confirm, Honda's still a good name, and they, that's where they, they they put those commercials out there. So you will, it, it just kind of even if you're not in the car buying market, it kind of just reassures you that you. Your brand loyalty is still a good idea from a marketing standpoint. The example for this specific point is related to a gym and kind of picking a new gym and simply just kind of narrowing down to the three within your local vicinity. So I think the same could be said for groceries, purchasing electronics, anything like that. And I think where the, the kind of complication comes in when it comes to a specific point is the vast development and evolution of the internet and uh, e-commerce that definitely complicates the the buying process when our computers and our house and that's not you really can't get any closer than that well i remember when i was younger there was if you were looking for a toaster this is before the made in china phenomena there was probably only three or four toaster manufacturers in north america and you you just picked you only had four to pick from. Well, now toasters, you walk into Walmart and there's just uh, just a line of toasters. You couldn't begin to, you know, dissect the little nuances between all those toasters. So you either decide its price or its feature. You know, you've got to narrow your, your net in terms of what you want out of a toaster. Otherwise, you, you will spend all day shopping for a toaster. I that's a fabulous point that you brought up there and it kind of goes with our value system but maybe before you even start shopping or searching for anything kind of make a list of of what whether it's a pair of jeans or a uh, or, or, a, or a new sport equipment decide what maybe the top three five seven ten features that are priority to you and and, and whoa 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 what what <laughs> you had me at you had me at three <laughs> Not ten. No, okay, maybe not ten, but I mean, if, if you're, if it's depending on the size of the purchase, but yeah, so it, we'll we'll scale it back to three. So if, if yeah, look for if, stick in your mind those three features that are important to you. Whether maybe that maybe that's price, maybe the the cheapest price is the most important thing to you. Then make it that, and I think that could help kind of develop a uh, value, not a value system, but kind of a feature, uh, kind of a feature sorting system for yourself. You know, this again is a personal finance podcast, but I have found 
that most of my decisions that I've regretted, where I've looked back and said, boy, I, I really screwed up on that one. I put price first, you know, and I'm not saying be financially irresponsible, maybe put price second or put price third. But whenever I put price first, I all I almost always regret my choice. That's really interesting that you see that. And not just because we're a personal finance podcast, but usually that is the intuitive choice that one would kind of think to make. Like if, if, if I, if I'm deciding on, and I've got three things, I'm, you know, brands or whatever I'm looking at, I'll go back to toasters. I haven't bought a toaster in forever, but <laughs> Do you, I don't even <laughs> know if you even own a toaster. I got three toasters. And if they're all like, I can't decide that they're, they're so identical, you know, that, that I, I couldn't possibly dissect the difference between these. I will let price be the decider. But if I let price be the primary driver on anything I buy, I tend to, I, I tend to cheap out and then regret it. And, and again, that regret could come from the maybe the longevity of the product or the the quality of the product, just anything kind of along those lines. Yeah, it's usually it usually goes back to something like that. So the third of seven kind of tips to limit your choice and reduce your stress is unless your budget is extremely tight and every penny counts, stop worrying about savings, saving just a small amount of money. So this goes back right to what you were just saying, Trevor. Yeah. And usually you're, you know, when you're, I'll, I'll talk about a car because that's a bigger ticket than a toaster, <laughs> but you're going to own a car for such a long period of time that the, you know, a few thousand dollars here, a few thousand dollars over the course of 10 years, it's not going to matter. It really isn't. It's going to get lost in the, in the wash. I mean, unless you're so tight to the wire, then you probably shouldn't be decide, doing whatever it is you're doing anyway. If, 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 every, if a, a very small amount of money is going to make a difference. So I, I tend to not let that make, like, that's why it's important to let not money be the first thing. Let money be the second or third thing that's in your consideration. Number four is once you've made your decision, stick with it. So everybody's done this. You go out and you buy something at the mall and you, on your way home, you go see how much you could have bought it for at Amazon. Yep. Right? Yep. And then you go, you go oh my, I, I, I could have got this for like, $5 cheaper on Amazon. What was I thinking? And it's quite often with books, people will do that. So I'm not an impatient person, but if there's a book I want and I'm in a bookstore and I got it in my hand and I, I, I don't do this, but if I were to look on Amazon, it might be $3 cheaper. Who knows? It might be the same price. But by the time that book gets to me, I, I may you know, be less enthusiastic about reading that book by the time they ship it to me than I am the day I'm in the bookstore. So if you make a decision, don't go and revisit the things you didn't choose. Don't go revisit your your alternatives after you've made your decision. Make your decision, move on. This, uh, this example isn't related to personal finance at all, but anyone who's ever wrote a multiple choice test 
you always know, you always know that the first, your first kind of gut decision, not gut decision, maybe the one you know is right because you studied is always the one that the answer that's right, because it's, it's your, it's the first, your first instinct is what you felt, it's what you knew was right. So you kind of should stick with it. You know, a lot of, uh, if you've ever done a personality test, they're timed and they're tiny because they don't want you to think. They want you to react to the question. Yeah. Yeah. This, the same thing goes for that, that usually kind of your, the first, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the one we should just go with. So number five is let the other choices and choices and quotes here go. This is when I, I do this. So this is 20 years later. I still do this. I drive, I drive by the houses that (gasps) I, I looked at, but didn't buy. Trevor. No, 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 I I don't go out. I don't drive by them purposely, but as I drive by them, I go, Oh, I remember that house. Oh, so it's not in a negative way. No, no. And I remember, and and I, I wonder what it would have been like had I chose that house. That's fair. So it doesn't sound quite as negative as uh, kind of Rupert (laughs) torching yourself by going by all of them. Every time I have a plumbing problem, I get my car and I drive by all the houses I didn't buy saying, damn it, I should have bought that other house. No, I I don't do that. But I I do look at them and I just just wonder, you know, how differently maybe, you know, my kids would have went to a different school, had a different experience. Who knows, right? I just ponder about, so, but I, I should, I should forget those houses even existed. But again, I think the big underlying thing with point number five here is it's easier said than done because it's, I I don't know if it's a natural instinct, but to kind of think about the other options, the other choice, it's kind of a, it's kind of a thing that we just do as, as maybe not productive as it is. You know, I bought my car, my used car, and I made a concession on the color and Nothing's gone wrong with that car mechanically since I bought it. It has been pristine. I don't. I don't look at it and say, "Damn, it's still the wrong color." You know, I. I. I don't. I. I let that go. I, I don't. It doesn't. I don't even. It's just my car now. I, I don't even acknowledge the color of it. But I, I. You know what I should be doing? I should be saying, "Nothing's gone wrong with that car." I wonder what what went wrong with all the cars I didn't choose. It was because they were weren't the yeah. color of your car. <laughs> no, but nobody thinks no nobody nobody does the opposite. No. Right? They 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 never they never think about I wonder what wrong what I wonder what wrong what went wrong with all the cars I didn't buy. Yeah, it's you know just when something goes wrong with their car, they say, Oh, I should have bought the other one. I bet you it's still running good, right? They, that that's the mindset a lot of people have. And I think we have the mindset to to kind of want to blame the fact that we kind of made a decision what in whatever context we did on on what what could have been and i i think I, and I, we really it's, it's it's like i said it's not productive and i definitely think we should kind of move away from that regretful mindset number six is ask yourself do you really need it anyway and so this is you could be making a choice about uh, a new set of bluetooth earbuds theoretically <laughs> and, hypothetically and, and and you know debating should i get the white ones or the black ones when really, in fact, you don't need any more. You've got more <laughs> earbuds than you have ears. So why are you even debating this? So save yourself the agony. And if you don't actually need it, like like some people will shop on Amazon. I see people do this. They don't even need something. They're just looking. And then they spot something. And then they start comparing. And before you know it, they're in a rabbit hole. 
for something they don't even manufactured need. manufactured stress yeah yeah no it's that's that's totally a thing and and even even kind of ask yourselves other questions kind of related around that question like it, it, we kind of any of these questions could be or any of these tips could be phrased as questions just to really put yourself in a more logical perspective with your emotions a little bit more removed the last and final tip to reduce stress in decision making is trust yourself and so this is one i've had somebody say this to me so i'm approaching early retirement and as soon as close as you get to it you start to wonder am i making the right decision you know should I actually, you know, work a little longer and, and just to play it safe? Should I retire? And somebody, this person said to me, they said, to get where you are today, to be in a position to decide that you're going to retire early, you, you haven't made many bad decisions to get where you are now, to, to be in that position to say, I'm 55, I'm going to retire. To, for to you to be able to entertain the idea of retiring at 55 you must have made a ton of right decisions to get here. Now, what are the chances the wheels are going to fall off? You're going to lose your mind and make, you know, a domino effect of bad decisions and you're going to be eating dog food on the street. What are the chances that unfolds? And and I'm going to say probably nil, right? I'm just going to continue to make similar decisions going forward. You know, what? why do I think I'm going to get stupid overnight? Oh, I love that. That is, that is powerful. That is so powerful. So in this list, I'm, I talk about these things like I invented them. <laughs> I did not. You know, this is the tiny Buddha's seven tips. And I need to repeat these. I need to put them on a wall and read them daily. Because I, again, I struggle with choice. It is, it is my kryptonite. And I, 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 the good thing is I know that's my weakness. And there's a lot of people walking around that don't even know they're suffering from this. If you if this sounds familiar, I, I'm going to read the book The Paradox of Choice. It sounds like it's going to be a real eye opener and maybe help me with some of my issues. Oh, for sure. And I wanted two more things to the point number seven: trust yourself. Um, my first one is that I think, and you said it earlier, Trevor, just to kind of be more kind and gentle to yourself when you do make those decisions, and realize that you made those decisions with the the best intentions with all of the knowledge that you currently had with, with all the resources. And I think that should be enough. I think the, the important thing is, is like you said, you made, given the, the information you had at the time, you probably made the best decision possible. Definitely. And my other point around uh, trust yourself is, is just that trust yourself in that other people around you, um, I always seem to have an opinion about and maybe the choices you make, the decisions you do, whether they outwardly express it or not. But I think at the end of the day, some of the maybe the unhappiness or the unsettled feeling that we feel within ourselves is simply based on how we perceive other people are judging the decisions we make that actually affect us and, and maybe not the people in our kind of external environment. Well, whenever somebody's assessing my decision, judging my decision I made, I know they have more information when they're making that judgment than I had when I made my decision. Yeah, because maybe they're looking at your outcome. Exactly, yeah. And, and that's obviously, in hindsight, is always twenty twenty, and you can always, uh, even yourself, 
see your outcome and, and, and kind of contrast it against your initial decision? Well, I got one final thought. I remind myself of this all the time. And if you're, if you think you're maybe making some bad choices in life, just, I, I say this almost all, all the time. I would kill five years ago. I would have killed to be where I am today. And that's just, just use that perspective. You know, you were dreaming about being where you are today five years ago. If that's you, if that's your reality, if you can look back and say, yeah, I, I would have loved to be where I am today five years ago, then you've probably made a whole bunch of really good choices to get where you are today. I love that. It's a perfect way to end today's episode on the paradox of choice. Thank you so much for being with us today and making the choice to listen to Simple Money Solutions. Uh, we can't wait to have you back here with us next week. Remember, you can find these resources um, in the show notes of this episode. And if you have any thoughts or feedback on kind of your tips and tricks on how you go about making choices, you can always reach out to us through Live Life Simple 365 at gmail.com or via our contact submission form on our website at livelifesimple.ca. Thank you again for being with us this week. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.